and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. If you're new, um, you haven't met me before, my name is Rob. Um, and together with my wife, Bonnie, we have the just awesome privilege of pastoring this church that is Northridge. Um, and uh, you, you might be new here, or you might be kind of almost like newly emerging, like, you know, like a little kind of something, I don't know, rodent or bear from... <laughs> or chicken? Chicken? Oh, from an egg. I was thinking like from hibernation, but we can go for an egg, yeah. <laughs> Chickens? Hibernate? No. Um... You might be kind of newly emerging in some ways into kind of life, into church life. And I just wanted to kind of let you know, actually, there's, there's some really awesome things kind of starting to happen and, and happening um, at the moment. And it's, it's really exciting to see what God is doing, even though it kind of feels like a period of uncertainty and, you know, kind of like in the middle of a lot of change. Um, and we never quite know week to week, like, who we're going to see. As well, at, at church, we might be like, oh, I haven't seen them for a few weeks, or suddenly they're there. Uh, I had somebody come to me this morning, and I, like, I, I, I felt terrible, because I hadn't seen them in months, and they kind of like, were a bit like, you know, you didn't say hello to me, and I was like, oh gosh, I can't keep track of who, who I've seen and who I haven't seen, and anyway, I had to apologize to them, because I felt bad, but, but there's, there is actually a lot of stuff going on. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we did Set Free. Um, and they're just super creative, and the way they did that, did some of it online, but hopefully it won't be long before we do that in person again. Um, and just beautiful to hear the stories of people being set free from stuff that's been holding them back in their lives. Um, the Sock and Worship Night coming up, you know, the, we've got um, the Community Something, which, you know, might involve some food, we're hoping, but we, who knows? I'm not going to give any more away. Uh, a raw trip you know, coming up in a few weeks, and we've got Good Fridays, like, around the corner, um, and there's going to be, there's actually going to be a Passover dinner here on the Saturday night, I don't know if you guys have heard about that, just tons of things that God is doing, and it, actually, he's on the move, and I just want to encourage you with that, because, you know, as we kind of start to re-emerge into church life, there is a need and a desire and a heart in us, actually, to connect again as community, and to connect with God, you know, to pursue his presence. You know, we just have that heart because, I don't know about you, one of the hardest things over the last couple of years has just been that sense of God's presence. It's, it's just really hard when you're staring at a, at a screen, you know, or when you can't be together. There's something about the way God manifests his presence when we gather together. So that's what we're about. Just big picture. Now, this evening, um, we're going to pick up on the series, and you have to you have to forgive me because I'm actually kind of meant to be speaking next Sunday, and no, I didn't get my dates mixed up. Anna Harding is um, sick at home with COVID, so I've done a swap with her. So hopefully she'll be here next Sunday, but you never know. We'll just see what happens. Um, and uh, so we're going we're doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you want to get your Bibles open, open up at um, Matthew six. Now. Um, like I say, over the last, I guess it's like four, five, six weeks or so, we've been going through Matthew 5, 6, 
I don't know, we're going through into seven? I'm not sure. I didn't read ahead. But um, who knows? Maybe. Um, and, And the context of what's going on in these chapters is that Jesus goes up a mountainside, sits down, which is kind of like the teacher position. It's a bit different to to what we do. You know, you stand up to kind of talk. But he sat down because that's what they did. And he starts to teach. And he says some strange things, really, about the law and about the kingdom of God. And, you know, a few weeks ago, Sam Taubman, who is here somewhere? I can't see you. Sam, where are you? Oh, there he is. He's up there. Um, He did a fantastic job. You may have caught it, where he just reminded us that what's going on here is that Jesus is mirroring what happens in Exodus 20 through to 23, when Moses goes up a mountain, meets with God, and gives the people of God the law. And so Jesus goes up a mountain, sits down with the people of God, and speaks to them about the law. And so, you know, if you, if you want to, can I really encourage you to sit down with Matthew 5 through to 7 and Exodus 20 to 23 and literally read them alongside each other. It's fascinating how many ways in which Jesus is kind of like picking up the same themes and even the same pattern in the way that he speaks. And um, it, you just, we don't have time to go into that tonight. So, you know, have a look at that. Now, we are, tonight we're going to read from Matthew 6 starting at verse 19. And I'm actually going to read it in the message because I just really love the way it hopefully helps us think of it in a slightly different way. So you can follow along, if you like, in whatever translation, or you might have one of those funky apps that lets you look at it in the message. But either way, it's, it's good to have a look at it in different translations. So let me just read this from the message. Don't hoard treasures down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven, where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed, I love that, squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Now, when you hear the words hoarding treasure, I wonder what you think. Can I ask, like, just for you to have a little think, what comes to your mind when you hear the words hoarding treasure? Come on, tell me. Pirates? Did I hear someone say pirates? Dragons? I kind of thought of Lord of the Rings as well. Like, dragons, maybe Gollum, like, precious. Like, what? What's that? Oh, a Smeagol, yes. Anything else? Smog. I got it wrong, didn't I? Sorry. Yeah. I have been suitably admonished. Maybe, I don't know, maybe kind of like hiding money under your bed? Like, something like that? It's just, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if anyone kind of like hoards treasure these days. It feels a bit, you know, piratey. But can I just tell you a quick story? So... 
some of you know that um, my family and I, we emigrated here from the UK about 15 years ago. And when, the, when you're getting ready to emigrate to Australia, from wherever you are, people tell you all the stories of all the things that you have to watch out for because they'll kill you. They don't tell you about the Australians, they just tell you about... <laughs> They just tell you about the animals. But the one animal they don't tell you about is a magpie. They just don't tell you. Like, they don't tell you about these crazy magpies that attack you out of nowhere for no particular reason. And the reason it, it really can, um, particularly living in Europe, the, it, it throws you and surprises you is because magpies, the, um, a bird that's called a magpie, nothing like magpies here, in Europe is like a small, lovely little bird that's kind of black and white. You hardly ever see them. And they love shiny things. And what they do is they go and find just random shiny things and then grab them and make a nest of shiny things. Like, so if you ever find a magpie's nest, it's full of little treasure of all these little shiny things, probably like ring you lost or whatever. Like, so, it, you know, we have, we have these ideas, don't we, of treasures. And I wonder what your treasure is. You might not think of it as treasure, but... I want, does anyone collect things? Do people do that still? Like, I think I know you do. <laughs> Bernie, I've seen your collection. Is it a treasure? That's the, the treasure trove of tools in Bernie's basement. And books. And, and books. You know, um, in this passage, Jesus is asking us some hard questions about our treasure because... Uh, you know, the thing that we treasure often connects to our heart. There's almost like a heart tug. When we, really, when, we th- when we think about things and they really connect with our heart, that is what is most precious to us. And sometimes it's people, but sometimes it's stuff. Sometimes it's even just an experience that we treasure up and we, and we find is precious. And that is connected with worship. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus starts to ask some really tough questions in this passage. In um, verse 20, he said, The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. You might have it in the NIV. It says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when Jesus starts talking about your heart, we know that he's talking about worship, right? Now, worship, I want to just share a few thoughts with you tonight about worship, because I think that's actually the guts of what Jesus is getting at in this passage. Number one, worship starts in your heart. Now, that might seem really obvious, but it's easy for us to get, forget. Worship starts in the heart. God doesn't actually care what, worship, what your worship looks like. He doesn't care if you're playing guitar if you're banging on a drum, he doesn't care if you're running around. He doesn't, doesn't care if you're lying down or standing up. He doesn't care if you're in a church, in a pub, in a field. He doesn't care what it looks like. And he particularly doesn't care where you are. You know, we see that. You may remember there's a, a, a story or an account of Jesus talking to a woman out in the middle of the day at a well. And they have this kind of slightly intellectual debate about where they should worship God. And Jesus says to her, the kind of worshippers that God is looking for is those who worship him in spirit and truth. 
And one of the things he's saying there is, it doesn't matter if it's in this mountain or that mountain or in the temple or wherever it is, he wants our hearts. Because God actually desires us for himself. He wants your heart. He wants my heart. He is relentlessly pursuing our hearts. We talk about pursuing God's presence. Man, that's nothing on how much God is pursuing us or on our hearts. And actually, he's kind of jealous. You know, one of the beautiful pictures I love in Scripture is he says, we are his wife. We are his bride. And he is our husband. You know, and, and husbands get pretty jealous about their wives. They're, they're pretty like, you know, she's mine. Like, I'm not going to share you with anyone else. I don't want your heart to be anyone else. I just want your heart for me. God wants our hearts. And um, I don't know about, I know that many of us, we may have grown up in church. And, you know, we've learned to kind of worship by watching other people. Or by maybe you went to a great kids' church like the one ones that we have here, and you learn about worship. But a lot of the time, we just kind of go, "Oh, I think that's what I do." Maybe I'm like, maybe I have to sit down and stand up at certain times. But oh, right, we sing, okay, right, and we learn about worship, and that's good that we learn by seeing, by kind of being shown. But if we're going to worship God authentically, we have to ask ourselves that question. How do we feel about God? Now, it's kind of uncomfortable because it's, you know, there's a part of our brain that's like, it's not about feelings. And you're, you're right, it's, it's not about feelings. But God does care about our feelings. He does actually care about our hearts. And we must ask and engage with that question, how do we feel about God? And how does he feel about us? Because otherwise, you know what? We're kind of going, well, God, I'll do all these things. You can have my head, but you can't have this. You can't have my emotions. And he wants, he wants all of it. And um, you know what? I'm conscious that many of you experience the love of God at certain times. But is it just me or does our, does our heart grow cold after a while? Does it, you know, it just, it, it, it's something we actually have to practice regularly. And one of the ways, I, certainly I know I do this, is by regularly asking the Father for affirmation and affection. I don't know about you, but for me, there are key moments in my week. I had one of these earlier this week where I'm like, Man, I just, I just want someone to come and give me a big hug and high five. Now, if you ask someone to do it, it's not the same, right? So don't any of you, <laughs> it just won't be the same. Because, you know what? It's actually something we need to hear from our Father in heaven. And so I make a practice of going and I might go and ask someone to pray for me. Earlier this week, I said to Bonnie, will you pray for me? I need to know the Father's affirmation. I need to hear in my heart, I love you. Well done. You're doing great. And it's so important in our worship that we connect with the Father's heart. Because out of that place, 
we can express our own hearts to him. So that's number one. Worship starts in the heart. Let's look at this passage again. Verse 22. There's a bit of a, a, bit of a cryptic middle of this passage. I said this in the message. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes in wide, wide and wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. Now this, um, this passage is speaking directly about how we worship. Because although worship is about the heart, it starts in the heart, it's not sentiment. It's decision and action. That's what worship is. If you say to somebody, I love you, but you don't do anything about it, they're going to be like, okay, how does that work? Right? And so, you know, when, whether we are... Um, whether we're actually living life toward God from a place of generosity or whether we are taking and consuming everything around us. That is what worship is about, is how are we living? Are we living with generous hearts towards God? And that's why Jesus gets right into the guts of like, how are you using your money and we're going to look at that in a bit more. But how are you living? Are you living like this? Or are you living in a generous-hearted way? Are you open to what God is doing and giving to others? Um, there is a, there's an app um, for my banking, ComBank app. And one of the things I love, uh, one of the features in it, I won't show it to you actually, because um, that would be a bad idea. One of the features in it, <laughs> is that it has these like handy little charts that tells you how you're going with your monthly spending. Has anyone else got that on their bank app? Okay. It's really helpful and really depressing at the same time. <laughs> okay, so for some reason, they kind of list the one at the top. It's usually like eating out. And it's always way too much than I want it to be. I think I need to increase the budget. But, um, <laughs> but you know, uh, if you want to know what's really important to you, have a look at where you're spending your money. And that's, you know, it's, it's uncomfortably practical, some of the things Jesus is talking about. Because worship is not just about singing or turning up at church. It's about giving, fasting, praying, getting up early. Who loves that? Not me. Right? It's, it's actually not feeling like doing these things. It's doing these things. Can I ask you, just getting really practical here, if you know that your times of worship are feeling kind of fake or feeling kind of shallow, maybe you've, you know, you just, it's been niggling at you for a while, can I encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, is this something that you want me to do practically to worship you that I'm not doing? It may be that he's asking you to step into worship in a different way. Maybe it's thinking about what you have, thinking about who you, you know, how you spend your time. Maybe he's, he maybe he's putting his finger on the TV stuff that you're watching. Or, and it's not just about like, oh, kind of like, it's, it's, it's the Lord saying, I want this from you. Are you willing to give it up for me? Maybe he's asking just for more of, you know, you're giving him 10 minutes in the morning. He's saying, can I have half an hour? Like, can you get up that a little bit earlier? 
Or maybe it's you're actually working too long hours and, and you need to take some more rest and honor him with that. But I, I want to encourage you on that one because I, I think um, I feel confident in saying that when we bring those things to the Lord that he puts his finger on, we actually discover a new freedom and a new joy in our worship. It opens new things up. And I wouldn't be surprised if you do that as you come to worship the next time we gather. There's something tangibly different when we come and we sing and we say, I will give you all of myself, Lord. And he's like, thank you. You're you're getting it. Okay, last thing. Here's the real hard-hitting verse right at the end. Jesus kind of waits and packs the punch. Verse 24. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship both God and money. So Jesus' words, cutting right to the heart, that our pursuit of money and wealth can actually be serving a different master or worshipping a different God. I think there is a certain... And you could disagree with me on this. So this is just me thinking. I think there's a certain level of distrust and contempt that God wants us to have towards money and wealth. It's kind of this slightly like, okay, it's necessary and it's wise to be providing and it's good to be providing for our families and thinking about the future. And Phil spoke beautifully this morning about creating margin in our, in our wealth and in our money, making sure we're living on the edge of our finances all the time. But there's also a kind of like, ooh, don't get too comfortable with it. And one of the reasons that Jesus is kind of putting his finger on there that, um, again, Phil mentioned this morning, was fantastic, is that money has and wealth has a kind of power that we could easily give it that it wants to kind of change the framework of our lives. It wants us to live in reference to it and actually start to pursue it instead of God. And one of the really profound and simple things that we can do to break that is to start to give it away. It's kind of like, it's kind of like living in slight contempt of it. It's like, you know what? Thank you. Now let me give it away. Because otherwise I'm going to get too attached to this. Right? So that's one thing. But the other is pursuing Jesus and his presence. Because as we adore him, uh, Jesus uses, in the NIV, uh, it's pretty strong words. If you hate one, you'll love the other. If you love one, you'll hate the other. So as we love God, we start to live with more detachment and, can I say, distrust of our wealth. So let's not give up pursuing God together. Let's pray. And um, I just wanted to just say a couple of things before we, you know, one of the things I love about praying together, particularly in our evening communities, you guys are so up for it. I love that. Whenever, whenever we do prayer ministry, it just there's this beautiful, like, yep, 
I'm going for this. I'm going to get some prayer. I'm not fussed about what people think about me. So why don't you stand with me? We're going to invite the Spirit to come. But just before we do and see what he wants to do, I, um, I just want to, I guess just a quick reminder, if you're coming to pray for somebody, just a couple of things I want to remind you of, and I'm sure you know all of this stuff, but it's good for us to remember. You might ask, um, you know, what someone wants to pray for, if you're coming to pray for somebody. But before you start praying, let's just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to say about this person? What do you notice as you're, as you're standing there praying, about to pray for them? Or what jumps out at, them, at you? Before you come in and start to speak, you know, let's ask that. What is the Holy Spirit using? It might be something they're wearing. It might be something that you see as you look at them. And then when we begin to pray for folk, can I encourage you just to welcome the Holy Spirit? Just say, Lord, thank you that you're here. And bless what he's already doing. Because when, we when we're coming to do prayer ministry, what we're doing is we're actually just taking the conversation. It's almost like we're joining a conversation between two people. You wouldn't come right in the middle of it and just start talking. You want to you wanna kind of honor the conversation that's going on between that person and God. And, and just come and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. And then as he gives you things to pray, then, to, then begin to pray. Is that Okay. Thanks, guys. Well, Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you tonight, Lord. Jesus, we, we thank you that you are passionately pursuing our hearts. And so we give you this time, we give you this permission as if you needed it, Lord, to come by your Holy Spirit and fill us, touch our hearts. Come, Lord. I'm just going to wait on